ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. Welcome into the Tuesday, September 6th edition. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for joining me for this edition. We will get your phone calls and texts in. Our phone line is there for you. It's 304-396-TALK to text and to call. It's 877-420-TALK. So, if you want to text in, it's 304-396-TALK. And to call the old-fashioned way, give me a few minutes here. I don't have Tavion today as my as my intern answering the phone. So it's 877-420-TALK. Uh, apparently that was a pretty big deal, me and Tavion, uh, doing the show together a couple of days ago. So uh, he's coming back this week. We're going to do more segments with Tavion. But that's uh, that's tomorrow. Let's get into today. You know, we're, how are we feeling? We're still feeling pretty good, right? Marshall beating Norfolk State the other day, 55-3. Norfolk State, I said, would be a challenge for the herd. I said that it would be a competitive game, and you said, no, it wouldn't. And I said, don't look at the score because 55-3 means if you look at the score, Marshall, Marshall crush them. They're going to be good in their division. Norfolk State's going to be good when playing like teams. That's just all it is to it. They'll be fine. Marshall, when getting into the Sun Belt, it's going to be competitive in the Sun Belt. But Marshall will be fine. We're going to see the difficulty ramp up this week with Notre Dame. And you know Notre Dame losing to Ohio State 21-10 really doesn't matter. Because you've got two really good teams going at it. So, I think at last check, it was like a 20-point spread for Notre Dame to win this one. I'm not usually a betting type, so can Marshall keep it within 20? We're, we're going to find out all that stuff. That's, that's stuff we're going to find out later. Okay. Next few days, we're going to break this one down. We're going to talk about it, and we're going to analyze it. And then after the game, we're going to overanalyze what happened. So that's that's the week ahead for us when it comes to this one. We're going to hear from Coach Huff here in a little bit. Had a chance to catch up with him this week, part of his presser earlier this afternoon. So I've got some key highlights we're going to hear from him. We'll get your phone calls in, your texts. We've also got, don't forget, I usually do this on Mondays, but, you know, Tuesday's feeling pretty good, so I think we might just do this on Tuesdays. We've got the Drive Power 5. Not a major not a major change at the top, but we've got a tie in the Power 5. There's 5-plus five now in the Power 5. So we'll go over that later. We've also got our, our Player of the Week, so that's coming up later. And, again, if you're not – Familiar with the Drive Power 5, we take and rank the best five teams in the area every single week. Every single week, it could change. Spring Valley is in the Power 5, our previous number one. And that's all I'm going to tell you. So you got to wait for that later on. Where did your favorite team fall in these Power 5 rankings? And now... There's six of them, six teams, and I'll give you a hint. 
the tie is going to rectify itself. The tie will there will not be a tie after this weekend of games. I can tell you that with certainty. Knowing my luck, someone's going to do the math wrong and we will have a tie, but uh, we had some pretty good matchups in high school football over the weekend. So we've got the Power Five coming up. We've got the Player of the Week. We've got Coach Huff, and we've got you. And again, the text line is open. It is 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. So now you know how to be a part of the program. So yeah, how – How'd we do, Herd fans? How'd we do? How was our weekend? How'd everybody do after the first game, after some of the things that are changing at Marshall? Thunder Street was a little bigger, right? Did you enjoy that? It was a little bit bigger. More vendors. So I saw more food trucks. Hopefully that expands. Maybe... You could have even more out there. That would be great. I know tailgating, you're tailgating, you're bringing your stuff, but a lot of people are just coming to the game. Maybe want to get something to eat before they go into the game. So the tailgate expanding into Thunder Street, still pretty good. We have musical entertainment. So, you know, the fan experience, it's, it's going to be growing a little bit. I mean, you don't have that much to work with. You get the West lot and you've got some lots around. I mean, because Huntington is not this, it's not Boone, is the best way to describe it. It's not Boone. Yeah, Marshall is landlocked. So trying to get the experience better, I'm kind of curious what you thought. You went into the stadium. What'd you see? What'd you like? What'd you not like? There are some things to talk about there. What needs to improve? What needs to stay the same? You liked it. Okay, we're good there. Don't have to worry about that. So these are some things that just keep in mind. I want to hear from you about as far as your game day is concerned. I mean, the crowd looked look good on TV. Crowd looked fine. It wasn't a sellout. I wasn't expecting a sellout. But student section looked good. I think taking those seats away worked. For me, it worked. Because we have not seen the fan base grow to a point where 39,000, 38,000 are going to fill Jones C. Edwards Stadium on a consistent basis. It's just not there. Not there just yet. I think 30000 and change is fine. That's a great number. You can build that out a little bit more if you want to. But I think 30000 is just about right for Marshall. Because historically, it hasn't been sold out. You haven't seen the higher numbers you got to bring in a, a real hot ticket to, to get those now and then. And in this current configuration, until the project begins to make that end zone something special, something better, you can uncover those if you need to. 
But I think 30,000 plus, it's, it's, it's right there. That's just make it a great game day atmosphere. I mean, there's nothing like being in a crowd of 60,000, 70,000, 80,000, 100,000. There's nothing like that. I mean, that's a great experience. But let's just make 30,000 a great game day experience. So I was good with that. I want to hear from you. I want to get your what'd you like, what'd you not like, where could it be better. I want to hear all of that. I want to hear from Coach Huff as well. So we're going to do that when we continue. Uh, We've got some great news, some player of the week honors to tell you about. We've got our Drive Power 5. So, so much coming up. I appreciate you being here with me on this Tuesday. I hope you had a great Labor Day. For those of you who actually did not have to work, I hope you had a great Labor Day. And we're just one day closer down to game number two between Marshall and Notre Dame. So uh, Labor Day did us a favor. We had a day to rest. Some of us did. And we're now one day closer to the game. Can't beat that. So we'll hear from Coach Huff, get his thoughts on the game that just happened, and look ahead a little bit to Notre Dame. And we'll do that with Coach Huff when we continue on this edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We continue on with this edition of The Drive. It's your Tuesday drive home. For those of you on our podcast, it's your Tuesday wherever you're at drive. Don't forget, you can always catch the show on podcasts. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Drive when you want to listen to. Thanks for tuning in. Paul Swan, your host here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Today, I had a chance to be a part of of the weekly Charles Huff Presser, where he gets to speak to the media. We get to ask him a lot of questions, and he gets to answer all of those questions to the best of his ability. It's a great relationship, and we do it every single week. The opponent now, not a top-five team, but a top-ten team in Notre Dame. The AP polls out. Alabama, to no one's surprise, the number one team in the country, followed by Georgia at number two. Ohio State in the AP poll is number three, going down a spot. Michigan moves up four spots to number four. Clemson is number five, moving down a spot. Texas A&M stays put at six. Oklahoma moves up two spots to number seven. Notre Dame drops three spots to number eight. Then Baylor at number nine, moving up a spot in the AP Top 25. And then to round out the top 10, USC moving up four spots. Uh, any Sunbelt teams getting any love, any notoriety, any recognition? There are no Sunbelt teams receiving votes in the AP Top 25. So uh, North Carolina is getting, uh, got three points. Appalachian State probably would be getting some points if beating North Carolina was a possibility. That was a fun game, wasn't it? A lot of offense in that one. Not the overtime thriller we've seen some other uh, schools play in, but still, that was a fun game. A lot of offense there. Appalachian State's going to be fun coming up here in a few weeks for Marshall and the Mountaineers. So let's get on to Coach Huff, the game against Norfolk State. It was a 55-3 to win. You got to see 
a lot of players in that game. Marshall played 87 different players. That's the most that Marshall has played since going back to, Coach talked about it, going back to maybe the Young Thundering Herd roster. So 87 different players got to play. And Coach was proud of how the players competed and support of the community. I mean, it's something we talked about a few minutes ago. The students showed up. The students looked good. I mean, everything looked better with the seat configuration closer to what it was almost originally. Of course, you know the story. If you don't know the story, the end zone used to be that grassy field with the scoreboard, the old scoreboard on. And so you needed to be 30,000 seats. That was the number. Okay, you want to be Division One, you got to be 30,000 seats. Peden Stadium was grandfathered in. But you, you, you're moving up, you got to be 30,000 seats here. You were like 28,000 and plus because you didn't do the math right when you put those chair backs in. So you had to fill the difference somewhere. So you built that lower end zone seating section. And that was fine. That was fine. Got you up to where you needed to be. But then all of this trying to get into a different conference, trying to increase seating so you can get other teams to come in. And you put up the erector set. And I thought that was a terrible one. It was terribly put together, designed. I mean, it's, it's, it's a sturdy structure. It's just terrible looking. And two, you know, Marshall has rarely been able to fill the extra capacity. I thought 30,000 was good. It was cozy. It was intimate. The atmosphere was better. So now we're, we're right back there. And that it looked good. Wasn't spread out. The fans were closer together in the stadium. I thought, good turnout here. Good game, good turnout for the Thundering Herd. So, you know, Coach Huff, he was pretty happy. He was happy with the way the support of the community showed up, how the players competed. And he thought the team played well. There's some things that still, you know, there's some room to grow on, but he thought the team played really well. Thought we did some really good things. When you go back and look at the film, there's a lot of areas that we can teach from, learn from. Um, there's a lot of areas that um, issues that we pointed out as areas that we need to correct um, in the summer and in the fall camp. Um, we saw some of those things show up uh, where we made better decisions. Um, there's still some areas where we can continue to grow. I think every time you play the game, um, you can learn and maybe you didn't make the play or you didn't make the mistake, but you can learn from the mistake. Um, so I think it was really good. Um, I think we played, you know, pretty much a complete game, not perfect game, but a complete game, meaning all phases, all persons, all units um, did some things really well and consistent. That's what we're going to have to build off of um, in order for us to have the type of season we want to have. Got to be consistent. That's what he's looking for. So good grades from Coach. He gave the O-line, when we talked to him in the presser earlier, O-line's Offensive Player of the Week award. So in-house, O-line gets the nod. You look at how many yards rushing Marshall was able to amass. You look at some of the way that the running backs were able to find some spots, how wide receivers were blocking. There were some things there that really created some offense. And so the O-line, O-line gets the Offensive Player of the Week award in-house. Kobe Cumberlander, Defensive Player of the Week for the Thundering Herd. And a guy that... Coach talked about 
a little bit more in detail was EJ Jackson. He earned special teams player of the week, and that was really exciting to hear Coach talk about him. EJ's been a young man who's done a really good job at receiver and just in that room has been battling, you know, just trying to get on the field in different spots. Um, but he's really taken um, leadership role in special teams. And what I've seen over my career is the guys who really buy into special teams create a role for themselves on offense or defense because they're playing. And what you need in football is not an opportunity. What you need is reps. You need to get out and play. You need to get out and understand the change of speed. You need to get out and understand different angles. And on special teams, you can do that. Um, and it helps build a little confidence um, for some of the younger players. Um, it gives them a little bit of a, a role that they can kind of take, you know, take and run with. Um, so I expect EJ to continue to do really well on special teams as his role continues to grow for us um, at wideout. EJ getting that special teams nod from coach. So congratulations to the, those young men getting recognized uh, specifically from the coach. Now, we got to move on to Notre Dame. It's Tuesday. we got to talk Notre Dame. That's the game. A lot of you are heading up to Indiana to watch this. Yeah. Does Notre Dame have the, the newest facility? No. They have the tradition-filled facility. It's rich in history. You, it's old, but you can feel the history there. You have one of the best, if not best, most well-known brands in college football. Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, worldwide known. I mean, it's, it's college football. And so it's a big game. You're excited about it? I'm excited about it. Everyone's excited about it. Marshall fans should be excited about this. This is a big opportunity. It's not just every day that Marshall can go play at Notre Dame. And so there's that factor in getting ready for the game. It's, it's, it's Notre Dame week. You know, it's just game week in the shoey. Because Coach has talked about wanting the team to practice the same. Give it your best every day. And – like, hey, I got to practice extra, or, you know, or I got to practice harder this week. And coach has been stressing that, well, if you're not practicing hard every day, and if you're practicing harder this week than you did, did, did you, you really do yourself any, any, any service because you, know, you got to come at it the same. You should give your best effort every time. You should be practicing as hard on day one as you are day 10 or game one, game two. You, you see where he's trying to build that consistency. So Notre Dame's a huge game, but coach is stressing this week that, one, it's another opponent. It's a huge game to us outside of the shoey. It's a huge game. But win or lose, this game has zero bearing on winning the Sun Belt. Obviously, from the outside perspective, um, this is a huge game. Um, I know everybody's excited, you know, from the historical piece of it, you know, the, the place we're going. Um, all that's great. The reality of it is this game has no bearing on what our ultimate goal is, and our ultimate goal is to play really well in the Sun Belt. Um, yes, every goal, every game, the goal is to win, right? That's the goal. Um, but if you focus on just winning, you'll never get to where you want to be um, because what happens when you don't? Um, so what we focused on is how can we prepare each week 
with the same intensity, the same focus, so we can go out and play with the same consistency. See what I'm talking about? He's talking about consistency, same intensity. Play, you know, you got to have that same. Now, you, can you do it better? Sure. Can you, can you give extra? I'm sure. But you, know, you can't say, oh, hey, it's Notre Dame, so i got to attack this harder. You know, every day you should be giving your best. If your best gets better, I see where he's going with that. I see what he's trying to install here with that culture is, you know, I mean, your best could get better, but your experience level will get better. You know, how you perform will get better, but, you know, you should always be giving it your best. You might not see that result today. I mean, I'm trying to do my best every single day. Some days are better than others, but he's trying to get it to the point where you're doesn't matter if it's you know, Norfolk State should get the same level of attention as Notre Dame, as Appalachian State, as Troy, as Bowling Green, and the list goes on and on. But you can't help but wonder, it is Notre Dame. It's a special game. You're playing Notre Dame, one of the pillars of college tradition, history. Is Notre Dame Alabama? Now, Alabama is going to be the odds-on favorite to win the national championship every year. Notre Dame's in the conversation, but Notre Dame's got that brand. Notre Dame has a brand that probably will endure for as long as they play college football. Notre Dame is that brand of college football. So when you think Notre Dame, Coach has a couple of things that he pulls up. One's a movie. Then again, this is Notre Dame. Aren't they all movies at this point? So what does Coach think of when he hears Notre Dame? Well, a couple things. Um, Rudy, no disrespect. Um, Newt Rockney. Um, I'm a football historian, so that those things are, you know, those things stand out to me. Um, and then again, I, I think just the overall history and tradition of how Notre Dame football has been played. It's always been played with class. It's always been played with really good, upstanding men and coaches. Um, I think it stands for what truly the core of college football creating an opportunity for young men on and off the field with an unbelievable brand done the right way. Um, I'm sure there is some something out there that there's a violation or something, but you don't hear of scandals when you think of Notre Dame. You know, I'm sure there's something out there that I don't know about, but you don't hear of things that are detrimental to the core of the game. And I think what that is is a program and a group of people not only with Coach Freeman and his current staff, but all the way back through the lineage that have kept the core of college football um, pure and uh, right. You know, what, what you do for these players on and off the field to create value for them in their life is what truly college football is about. And I think Notre Dame is one of the many schools that kind of check that box, if that makes sense. Coach has a high regard for Notre Dame. It's one of the it's one of the elite programs when it comes to what college football is all about. But Let's talk about the game itself. You're not playing the brand. You're not playing the brand. You're playing the team. You're not playing the tradition. You're playing the team. So when Coach was asked, just what impressed him? And he joked first. He he said everything. He said everything. He talked about the way they tied their shoes, how they got off the bus. You know, he he injected a little humor into that. But when it comes right down to it. 
they've got some really good players. They still are Notre Dame, and they've got some really good players. They lost to Ohio State. They still have some really good players. And uh, the first thing Coach talked about was what really impressed him on defense. I, I think, again, when you look at them um, defensively, they've got a good front seven, really good. They've got a DN, um, two DNs that are really good, and the two inside guys are quick, a little bit short but stocky but quick, powerful. Um, on the back end, they play with speed. Um, obviously, Coach Freeman has done a really good job being the defensive coordinator. You can tell those guys know where they're going and why. Um, I told guys on, you know, on, I told the team they are probably going to play faster than you think they are because they know where to go. They can anticipate. They're physical. They're tough. On the offensive side, obviously, their tight end is real. I mean, he's probably going to win the Mackey. Let me say this. He's probably going to be in the runnings for the Mackey. No disrespect to the other tight ends in the country. Um, their quarterback does a really good job of managing the game. He's elusive enough that he can run. Um, I think you saw that a little bit uh, Saturday night. Excuse me. So they're pretty pretty good on, on defense. They've got a, a good quarterback. But what about the rest of the offense? You know, what stood out to him? Receiver that they lost was a big piece, but they do have some really good skill guys around him. Um, Chris Tyree, their running back, I recruited him. Actually, his first offer was Marshall at high school. Um, he went to Thomasdale High School. I recruited him for three schools as I was kind of moving around. Um, he's really, really fast. Um, so I think when you really look at them, they're a complete team. Notre Dame complete team. And um, one thing that Coach stressed that stood out today is they're a good team. They, they're not perfect. Marshall doesn't need to be perfect, though. You don't have to be perfect to win the game. And Coach illustrated that a little bit more. And as I told my team, they're a really good team. They're a complete team on all three phases. Um, but that doesn't mean they're perfect. Just like we don't have to be perfect to win the game. What we got to do is we got to execute consistently. And that's where it becomes tough because now executing against really, really good teams becomes a little bit tougher. Well, how do you do that? You got to prepare really, really well. I told them this week of practice is just on top of all the reps we took in the summer, on top of all the reps we took in the spring. It all matters. We're not going to win or lose the game in this one week. Um, everything we've done up until this point is going to help us moving forward. Coach Huff, some of the highlights from earlier this afternoon. We'll hear more from Coach tomorrow when we continue. It's time for the Drive Power 5. Which five teams are deemed the best in the tri-state? Is it Ironton? Is it Huntington? Is it Spring Valley? Is it Raceland? Is it Cabell Midland? Which team is the top team in the Dry Power 5? And how's the rankings shake out this week? We'll talk about it. And we'll give you our Player of the Week. That's when we continue with this edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We continue on with your Tuesday. Paul Swan, your host. It's The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Our phone line is 877-420-TALK. Our text line, 304-396-8255. That's 304-396-TALK. It's time now for our Drive Power 5, our weekly power rankings. We rank them 5 to 1. Best teams in the Tri-State. We also have our Drive Player of the Week. Our Player of the Week this week 
is Colgrove senior running back Chase Hall. So congratulations to Chase. Colgrove defeated Megs 61-34 last Friday. Hall had a combined 421 yards from scrimmage. That's insane. Along with five touchdowns, he rushed 27 times for 381 yards, and he also caught one pass for 40 yards. One pass for 40 yards is a pretty good day for some kids. For him, one pass, 40 yards. So Chase Hall, Colgrove senior running back, our drive player of the week. Now the top five, and we've got a tie at, at five. This is the power five. This is the power six. This isn't the power seven. This is the power five, the drive power five. But we have a tie at five. So we have six teams in the power five this week. And the tie is between George Washington and Hurricane. George Washington and Hurricane both 2-0. and George Washington got a 21-14 win over Ashland. And Hurricane got a 48-0 win over Capitol. How do we break this tie? Well, we didn't schedule it this way, but I think if we could, we would. They're playing each other. Up next for GW is Hurricane. Up next for Hurricane, obviously, is GW. So the number five team this week is a tie. Let's hope that GW or Hurricane take this seriously enough to want to break that tie convincingly. So we'll find out. We're going to find out the true number five coming up next week. It may be George Washington. It may be Hurricane. But uh, right now we've got a tie at the five spot at number four. Coming in with three wins and no losses, the Raceland Rams. What did Raceland do over the weekend? Well, 40-3 win over Rowan County. So now they're going to take on Fort Thomas Highlands. That should be an intriguing matchup. So Raceland coming in at number four in the drive, power five. Number three, the Huntington Highlanders. Getting the win, the first win of the season. So now one and one. It was a 54-7 win over South Charleston. The great news is you got the win, you got losing off your back, and now you get open. As the next opponent, it's yourself. You get a you get to battle yourself. You get a battle not having a game. So open is what's up next for the Huntington Highlanders coming in at number three. At number two, the Ironton Fighting Tigers. 3-0 with a 34-13 win over Fairland. Up next. Johnson Central, so Ironton, number two in the drive, power five. And then the number one team, if you didn't guess it by now, you haven't been following along, Spring Valley, number one once again and the drive, power five. This is the second consecutive week for the Spring Valley Timberwolves in the drive, power five. A 42-31 win over Portsmouth. It was a competitive game, but Spring Valley gets the win. And so what happens for Spring Valley with all this momentum? Uh, they got to sit and wait a week. They've got open as the next opponent. So up next for Spring Valley will be open. So can Spring Valley, with a week off, hang on to the number one spot? Who's to say? Our voting panel is a very diverse and eclectic group. And for the record, this is not how I rank this, but again, again, to keep it to keep it fair, I brought others in. I could have just told you how the rankings should be, and that would be it. That would be the ranking. But, no, um, we've got several members of our Kindred Communications family 
voting on this. So, you know, we've got people who are watching games, who are out and about, and hopefully you agree with our Power Five. If not, where do you disagree? Do you agree with our Power Five? Do you disagree with our Power Five? The text line is 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. I don't think you can disagree with our Player of the Week with uh, Chase Hall winning that honor. So he wins week number two of our Player of the Week and the Power Five two weeks in a row for Spring Valley. Huntington right there at number three, Ironton at number two, Raceland at number four. You know, I think the top four, solid, solid. Those are probably the four best teams in the Tri-State. Number five spot's going to be decided. One of these teams will knock out the other in the power five. One of these teams will knock out the other. And depending on what happens with some of the other teams, I mean, Raceland could drop. Raceland could lose to Fort Thomas Highlands. And so maybe GW or Hurricane moves up. Ironton could lose. So maybe everyone else wins. And maybe Huntington moves up to two. Who knows? But we've got an interesting slate of games coming up this weekend. The only bad thing is Spring Valley and Huntington, they've got open. I'd rather have that somewhere midweek. I'm sorry, mid-season, maybe closer to the end. It comes uh, week number three for both the Timberwolves and the Highlanders. All right, what do you think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Find me on Twitter, at Paul Swan. Also, you can find me by texting 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. What happened this week in the Sun Belt? Well, we've got several Player of the Week honors to tell you about, and we'll do so when we continue with this edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're wrapping up today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Sunbelt Player of the Week honors coming out today. And Marshall picking up some of those. We'll start with soccer. Offensive and defensive player of the week honors go to Marshall Men's Soccer. Matthew Bell and Oliver Sinley leading the team to a 2-1 victory over then number two Pitt. So, Marshall racking up some more weekly honors. I know that trophy case that uh, we joke about, I joke about it with head coach Chris Grassy. Just, yeah, just pile those things up over there in the corner. We've got so many of them. I mean, it's a pretty big deal. Ever since this thing began in the Sun Belt, Marshall has taken three of the four player of the week spots. The league does an offensive and defensive player of the week every week. So the bell was huge in that win over Pitt. I mean, Marshall's going to go up in the rankings, number 11 right now, and Pitt got blitzed. It was a, uh, it was an impressive, I think, showing for Marshall. Marshall reasserted itself as one of the premier soccer programs in the country with that, and Bell is a big part of that. And of course, the other half of that was, um, well, you got to be strong in goal. 
And number two comes to town, highest-ranked opponent to come to town. And Simley stopped five of six shots he faced. Made some key stops. Make sure that it didn't get any closer than what it was. And so you beat the number two team in the country. You beat Pitt, by the way. You beat Pitt. And, and that that's a big deal, right? You beat Pitt. I was told by a, a Mountaineer fan, a friend of mine, she's like, you should be rooting against Pitt. Okay, I'm rooting against Pitt. Marshall beat Pitt. Here we go. Volleyball, by the way, earning a Defensive Player of the Week nod. Uh, Caitlin Geller turned in a great showing. She was part of the uh, team's win at the Miami Invitational. Had 70 digs, 12 assists. Marshall went 2-1 and one on the week, claimed the tournament championship. Geller also got all tournament team accolades. She had 15 digs and a 3-0 win against uh, Bellarmine on Friday morning and had 25 digs and a 5-set loss to Miami. Then got the win against Middle Tennessee State on Saturday, 30 digs and 6 assists. She's right now sitting at 5.82. That is the Sun Belt leader in digs per set, 5.82. So congratulations to these student-athletes at Marshall University racking up some Sun Belt awards. I mean, that's good. You, you want to start having some success in the new league. I think men's soccer is probably best positioned right now, even though the soccer league is very tough. I think the men's team is best positioned to have that instant success. Volleyball, hopefully that will continue with a, a tournament win. That will give this team a little bit more momentum. Maybe we'll start seeing some football names on player of the week accolades. It wasn't going to happen this week. This was not the week. You play in Norfolk State. You're supposed to do well against Norfolk State. You do well against Norfolk State. I wasn't expecting any performance to be deemed player of the week level coming out of the league. You got to look at the opponent. Now, if Marshall, someone from Marshall has an outstanding performance against Notre Dame, I think you got a candidate there. If you get the win against Notre Dame, I think you got a strong candidate there. Got to keep it in perspective. But still, I think those will be coming soon. You'll see that. You'll see that come soon. As Marshall starts getting into conference play and getting into a rhythm, and there's going to be some I, – I think this is still – I think the evaluation is – is true. This is probably right now the East Division, the best G5, if you want to use that term, G5, group of five, the best division and group of five football. And I think we're going back to what I talked about years ago. You remember when everything was breaking up here, it was becoming power five and group of five and I said that Conference USA needed to be the best of the rest. That honor went to the American. Conference USA needed to be the best of the rest. Six is good. Six is good. You can do a lot of things with your programs with being number six in in conference standing power. 
Yeah, none of this P6 stuff that the American was trying, but still, be the best of the rest, right? Be, be a strong league. Not everyone can go to a Power 5 school, and with the transfer portal, not everyone goes to a Power 5 school, stays at a Power 5 school. Now the Sun Belt, I think, is in a position to be the best of the rest. The highest of the second tier and maybe flirting with always being right there, right there. Don't overlook them right there. The money will probably be the the separator here, but just right there. And get some wins that you, you you're get the wins you're supposed to get, and get some of those big wins. Yeah, Appalachian State making some noise didn't get the win, but making some noise. Old Dominion beating Virginia Tech making some noise. Those are the things you need to do, and that's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for tuning in. Back tomorrow. Don't forget you can find me on Twitter at Paul Swan. Again, it's at Paul Swan on Twitter. And if you missed any part of the show today, or you'd like to go back, all you have to do is subscribe. Or better yet, my dentist doesn't like that term, subscribe, because he's always thinking I'm asking him for money. And after uh, I see the bill, I'm asking for a discount. Follow. Follow the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. I actually saw my dentist on Saturday. He was happy after the game. So if uh, Dr. B is happy, I'm happy. That's going to do it for this edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.